Hello and welcome to Crux Investor. We're here today with Linda Caron, the VP of Exploration at Margo Resources, the Canadian Gold Explorer. Now today you're going to take us through your new PowerPoint with your new story. So Linda, why don't we start from page four uh, of your current PowerPoint and talk us through some of the highlights there in terms of the, the, the company and what it's, what it's going to be doing this year. Sure. So Margo has two important gold assets in BC. We've got the Sheep Creek District in southern BC and that's one we acquired in 2017 and we've been working on that for the past two years. And then just recently we signed a deal with Wild Sky Resources for the Cassiar project. That's up in northern BC and it's a really exciting project. It's had a lot of work done on it. There's been some historic mining. Um, the historic mining was all focused on high-grade veins, but what really excites us about the project is the bulk tonnage potential. So there's a historic resource of a million ounces gold that's near surface, um, open pitable, um, with potential to expand that. So what we plan to do this year is to go in and drill some holes for ourselves, do some QAQC work, make that resource current. So what we what we think we can do is to take Margo from nothing on the books to a million ounces by the end of this year. That's great. I think investors always like to see that magical one million ounce threshold. Um, that's fantastic. And then follow up presumably as quickly as possible with a second resource. Right. So that that particular zone remains open. We can keep drilling. We expect that it will continue. So we can add to that to it there. But there are several other quality targets on the property for low-grade bulk tonnage mineralization. So we'll, we'll be drilling those as well and look to be putting out a second resource for next year. Okay. And Linda, I can't help but notice this uh, point about reprocessing some historical tailings here. I mean, what, what, what's, what's that look like? So the tailings are from the high-grade vein mining. And they didn't get 100% gold recovery when they were processing that ore. So the again these aren't our numbers but the previous company wild sky resources has um did a drill program last year of the tailings and and analyzed it and then has done some preliminary metallurgical work and it looks like there's about six hundred thousand tons of tailings and the grade is about a gram to the ton right not yet confirmed you need to do some work on that yep Okay, but I, I guess- It's very easy to recover that gold by a gravity process. Right. So Nelson concentrators, you just run it through, it's already sort of sand sized particles, run it through, you make a gold concentrate and uh, you know, potential to, to make a bunch of money. Okay, so I, I guess with my investor hat on, I, I can run some basic numbers there and get a, get a sense of what that potential cash flow could be to the organization. I, I guess there's some costs associated with that. So. We need to net that off, and you're gonna you're gonna be looking at the economics of that this year. That's right. Yep. Um, we we want to do some more metallurgical work. There's potential to get better gold recovery by adding some other steps in. We need to look at the optimization of that, whether it's worth doing that or whether you go for quick and easy and take what you can get. Right. Um, but the permits are all in place to do this. 
So once we figure out what the best path forward is, it should be very quick to do. Interesting, interesting. Okay, well, th thanks for that summary of what you're going to be getting up to this year. So l let's, if we can, um, get into on, onto page five. I'm looking at the page which talks about investment strategy. I can't help but notice the the company seems to have changed its focus this year. You seem to have decided what you're going to be, which is makes it obviously quite interesting um, for, for me uh, as an investor. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that and why you've done that? Sure. So Margo actually started out in the mineral exploration business with a tungsten. You know, tungsten prices were up and it looked like they would stay there. So they acquired a project for tungsten. Tungsten didn't do what we, what we thought it would, um, but that asset also had a lead zinc historic lead zinc mine and potential for for more there was a resource on a historical resource on that so we went into lead zinc exploration we didn't find what we wanted to see in terms of the lead zinc um, but it got us in the right neighborhood so the property next door was the sheep creek property it had not been on the market it wasn't available um, and then through a series of circumstances it became available and we were in the right neighborhood so that opportunity came to us and that's how we got into gold. Since then, we've we've made that our focus. That's what it's what I'm good at. It's what my experience is, um, and it's what the market likes. Okay, so that so it sounds like um, by dint of fortune, you've ended up in an area where you guys are more comfortable, and for whatever reason, market conditions has have, have driven you there. But you, that's a it's a brave decision to make, but I guess an important one. Um, to to be. I don't know, to back up a little bit, when I joined Margo, it was because the projects they had were ones that were on my radar as gold projects, and they weren't exploring the gold potential of them. Okay, okay. So let's get into page five then here. So we're talking about goals here. You says you want to be a producer of orogenic gold. Um, why? Orogenic gold deposits are big deposits. Wow. They occur in clusters. You know, they're part of a, a regional events and um, they account for a lot of global gold. They're higher grade than other types of deposits. They're more predictable in many ways than other types of deposits. We understand the model um, and they're underexplored for in British Columbia. Right, okay. and and. Are both projects orogenic? Yes. Right, okay, okay. And then you're talking about low grade with some high grade upside. I mean, how, how does that work? You know, when you're trying to define a resource, it's hard to do that with a high grade vein. It's slow to do it with a high grade vein. Um, you know, every, each drill hole only gets you a few meters. So building tons is slow. Building ounces is slow. With a bulk tonnage situation, you know, we're looking at a zone that's 100 meters or more. Um, so you're getting a lot more bang for your buck with every drill hole. So right. that's what we like to see. The high grade is, is interesting. It can up the grade. You know, if we find individual veins, that'll help with overall grade. But the way to get to a million ounces quickly is to focus on them. Right, okay. Um, so our short-term goal is to get to that 1 million ounce mark by the end of this year. And we'll do that by going to this area that's had considerable previous drilling. It has a historic resource and we'll validate that resource. That should be quick and easy to do. 
And and the cost of doing that and time? About three hundred thousand dollars Canadian. Okay, and you'll get that done by what end of this end year? End of the year. Okay, yeah. interesting, interesting. Okay. And you know, I think that we need to do some work in raising the profile of the company. People don't know who we are. They don't. You know, the message has been maybe a little mixed on what we've been doing in the past. We want to clarify that for people. Um, let them know that we're a gold company. This is what we're doing. Our longer term goals are um, to acquire probably one or two, three more assets and to break that three to five million ounce barrier over right. the next three to five years. So, and those, I guess you'll follow a sort of similar profile. Is that what you're saying? So, there's kind of bulk tonnage with high grade uh, upside. So we have a sort of a, an asset targeting criteria, what we want to see. So, we want right. to stay in BC. We know BC. Obviously, you know, if an amazing opportunity came up in another great jurisdiction, we would look at it. But for the focus is really BC. The focus is orogenic gold. We believe that's a good deposit model. We believe it aligns well with our skill set. We like the bulk tonnage model with high grade upsize. If there's near surface opportunities or tailings where we can get some quick cash flow, that's a bonus. And, and just, just just on that, while I ask, these these orogenic, this bulk volume approach to, to mining, does that tend to kind of keep the eventual, when, I assume there are companies that are orogenic gold focused which have got into production. Is, is Are there many examples of this? Many, many, many. Yeah. Okay. Well, globally, so, I mean, this is this is a large thing. So the largest open pit deposit in the world is right. Morantau, and that's, um, that's an orogenic gold deposit. Right. Do they, do they tend to be cheaper to process? Is the ASIC number, you know, bottom quartile, for instance? I mean, where is it going to sit in terms of I think they to tend create? to be the, they're the plums. They're what you're looking for. Um, right. The, the grades are better. The metallurgy tends to be good. So recovery is very good. Um, right. Typically, you're getting a component of the gold out in the gravity circuit. So you're getting very quick cash flow. Right. So how does that work? You, you, kind of, you, you process quickly and then you reprocess again for better extraction. Yeah. Well, everything gets, all the rock gets ground and then it runs through a circuit. And, you, you, you know, the first thing you do is you take out the heavier metal, metals or the heavier components by gravity. And so gold, some of it, if it's free gold, it's just like a placer gold operation. The, those gold particles will settle out and then you can sell those directly to a smelter. Right. Okay. Okay. So I just need to going through the whole flotation process, make a concentrate, sell the concentrate that will, you know, then the gold will be recovered from that. So it's just a way to get quicker return on, on money from your so That seems to be a reoccurring theme here in terms of, you know, reprocessing tailings and getting to quick, quicker cash flow. So you're very, you're very much concentrated on that as, as part of your business plan. Okay, interesting, interesting. Okay, so sorry, what are the other targeting criteria? One that I think that we're particularly good at is going through reams of old data and pulling out the gems. So we love data-rich projects. We like applying our knowledge, our skill set to that data, bringing it into modern format and finding what other people have overlooked for one reason or the other. Some of that is not you know, it's changing knowledge over years or it's changing metal prices make things interesting now that weren't interesting when the work was done. Right. 
And do, and do many of those exist, Linda? I mean, is, is there a lot of, are there a lot of uh, op targets that have big data fields? I mean, are they easy to find? No, they're not easy to find. Um, and that's why we're really excited by both Sheep Creek and Cassiar because those both fit this, this asset criteria um, that we have. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, and, and then to find them and you know at an affordable price and you know I mean there are projects that have lots of data and you know frankly they're dogs right like nobody wants them so to find one that has lots of data and has good potential um, and room to grow those are harder to find. Okay. Okay. And then and do you, and they, they they come with all the relevant permits in place or is that something you've got? I know that there's different licenses and permits you need, but I assume you've got the ones you need for this stage. That's correct. We do. Um, no, not all projects have that level of permit. And obviously, you know, if we are going to start a mine, uh, a big open pit mine, that is not permitted yet. But all the exploration stage is permitted. Right. Okay. Interesting. Okay, so let's go to page six, where you, I think you sort of, I know you have covered a lot of this already, but I think there's a few points in here perhaps worth going over again. Um, just looking at slide six here, and again, just recapping that our two projects are Sheep Creek and Cassiar. They're both orogenic, they're both in BC. And what's significant is that they're analogous in terms of the style of mineralization, the age, the type, to the mineralization that Barkerville Gold Mines is exploring for and producing in the Caribou District. That's Barker, Barkerville Gold, the yes, company. Yes. Okay, so what are their market cap? 160 million, something like yeah. that. Yeah, um, okay. I'm not saying that we're an analogous company to them. What I'm saying is that the deposits are the same style. Right, okay. But you, So yours are both former producing assets, uh, but haven't produced for a while. Yeah, so the, the Cassiar project um, has both bulk tonnage and high-grade veins. The past production was from the high-grade veins, about 350,000 ounces. And that was, I think, 79 to 95, somewhere in there is when they were doing that mining. Um, and then they did a lot of exploration. It, the project is really two different properties. They, they're adjoining, and it was historically not owned by the same company. So it's subsequently been put together into one package. And that's one of the things that makes makes it especially interesting. The other thing we've touched on already is the gold potential gold recovery fairly quickly from the historical tailings. So about 600,000 tons at about a gram to the ton gold there that we should be able to recover fairly quickly. Um, so Linda, let's let's look at page seven. We talk, we, we're always interested in understanding um, about the management team because I think the quality of the management team, their experience and ability to deliver projects is, is, is paramount. So why don't you tell us about yourself initially and then if you can, some of the other players on the, on the team. Sure, so starting with me, I'm a geological engineer with a specialty in mineral exploration. I live in BC, Southern BC. Most of my career has been gold focused, over 30 years experience working in industry for majors, juniors as a consultant, uh, kind of all aspects of the business. Most recently, I was running a project for Kinross in Southern BC, a gold project. Margot approached me to come on as their VPX, and so I handed off that project to somebody else and, and came on to, with Margot. Right, and, and so the, how long have you been working in the BC area? Uh, well, pretty much my whole career. You know, I, 
I raised a family and was working as a field geologist at the same time. And so trying to stay close to home through those years. And then as the kids got older and left, I went farther afield. So, you know, I've worked in other places, but primarily in the Cordillera. So the Western part of North America, right? Through Mexico, the US, uh, BC and the Yukon. That's been really my focus. Right, okay. And, and what's, what, what's your specific role in Marco, what, 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 are you, what are you focused on? What are you tasked with doing? I guess overall, my focus is to help us achieve that goal of being a bulk tonnage gold producer. That's, that's the bottom line. Day to day, every day looks different. So I'm very, I, I'm technically quite strong and I love to be part of the technical team. So I like, not to just be on a management side. I like to be day-to-day -day with, with our geologists going through data and um, just helping refine some of the targets, I guess, keeping everybody on track and focused. Um, but I also work with our financing team, marketing guys. Um, I work with the legal team, you know, just on agreements and that kind of thing. Just sort of overseeing many aspects, operational aspects of the company. Right, okay, okay. Well, let's talk about some of the, the, the people you work with. I, I guess we should kick off with the CEO, Tyler. What's his involvement? Tyler's a great guy. He's, he's very hands-on, day-to-day. He's a young, very successful businessman, really quite passionate about social responsibility. So moved his family up to our project area in Southern BC, He's very involved in the community, very involved in making partnerships with environmental groups, with community groups, working with the government on permitting issues or what, what might arise. He's a very, he's very much a relationship driven. Person. Right, and is that is that a is that very important? Is that is that fundamental to the business? Oh, absolutely. If, if he wasn't doing if, that, what would happen? Uh, if the community doesn't want us to develop a mine, we wouldn't be doing it. The social license is very very important. Right. Okay. And that, I, I guess not limited to, to BC um, no. either. But okay. So that that's his focus. And then you've got two pretty big names on here. I'm looking at uh, Steve Latwin. The I am yeah. Gold so uh, CEO. Steve is the president and CEO of I am Gold. Yeah. And he's a major shareholder in the company. He's very active uh, in the company. So we speak with him at least on a weekly basis. I talk to him on a weekly basis. Right. And he's okay. giving us access to contacts that we as a junior company wouldn't have without his involvement. He's seen this. And so, you know, he helps us think bigger than a junior exploration company. Yeah, I mean, track record and creating shareholder value is, is almost second to none here, I think. Um, what about Chris Stewart? I mean, that's another big hitter. Absolutely. Uh, really fortunate to have Chris involved. Chris is a mining engineer, and so he brings technical expertise at a very high level. He's president and COO for McEwen Mining, which yeah. is an $800 million market cap. He's really what he's known as, I think, is a turnaround specialist. So he's been involved with Kirkland Lake and Lakeshore Gold, Liberty Mines. Just He's a real problem solver, optimization guy. And was he, was he part of the decision making for you guys to kind of refocus on Argenic Gold? Was, was that a 
team effort or was he, was he part of that discussion? Absolutely, he was part of that discussion, yes. Um, I would say that it was a group decision, uh, but we're all in agreement. Yeah, I, mean, I, think, I, think, I think that's um, amazing to have uh, two people of that caliber on a, on a company with your market cap. It, it suggests they see, they see great things. Um, okay, and we're on to, I just want to talk about, obviously there's, um, I just want to talk about Jim Letwin and, and, and Ryan. Um, can you tell us a bit about their involvement? Sure. Okay, I'll start with Jim. Jim is Steve's brother. Jim is a very successful businessman. He's MBA. Um, he's recently sold his, his company and he really brings commercial savvy to the team and strong leadership skills. Okay. And what, what about Ryan? I guess he's business development. That means a lot of things. So what's he, what's he actually do? Raises money. Ryan raising is money. our money okay. raising guy. And right. um, he has an interesting background because he started out hands-on with a contracting company. He started a company, was president of it, and for many years worked as a contractor to the mining and forestry industry. So he understands the business from the ground up. I think about 10 or 11 years ago, he started with I Am Gold in a role of you know, financing and has been very successful raising money for I Am Gold and now is in that role with us as well as with I Am Gold. So we're often able to kind of tag team on the financing trips. You know, he's, right. he's going with I Am Gold and getting introduced to bigger players than we would get introduced to. Okay, that's kind of interesting. So this is Steve Letwin um, relationships uh, are abound here. Okay, um, okay. well, that, that's, that's kind of interesting. So I guess you're getting the, the, the benefit of access to large players and their connections, despite being you know, a relatively small junior exp explorer. Um, that's, that's got that's got to help and as you say Steve trying to help you look and aim a little bit higher can't be a bad thing either yeah I think it really sets us apart from many junior companies okay okay so you're about to tell us about the uh, a bit more detail about the two projects but before you do that give me a bit more detail on the orogenic gold you, you, you know I, I think it's important for people, people to understand what it is why you're focused on it, why um, a lot of companies like being in this particular type of rock. Sure. So orogenic just means um, formed during mountain building. Um, orogeny is mountain building. So this is related to plate tectonics, when the continents are forming and these big land masses are smashing into one another. Um, and what happens is you've got great big fault zones and those faults are tapping down into the depths of the earth. So they're allowing the fluids to come up. And because there's such big events, these, these faults, you know, they're not just kilometers long, they're hundreds and hundreds of kilometers long. So you get big districts where the same style of mineralization occurs. So if you're in a district, you don't expect just one of these deposits. If you find one of these projects, you're very likely to find more because they do tend to occur in districts because of this large structural control. Right. Um, and globally, they're very significant contributors to gold. So about 30% of global gold comes from this style of deposit. And in Canada, it's over 80% has come from orogenic gold deposits. Um, the Abitibi region is one of the best known, and um, that's over 180 million ounces of gold has been produced from the Abitibi. So we're in the same setting, but much younger. And this is, 
you know, geologists talk in ages of rocks and the Abitibi is like 2.7 billion years old. BC much, much younger. So the orogeny that's that's happening here, the continents that, that's building, is where it's thrusting land onto the west coast of North America. So this is the Cordilleran orogeny. And it's, it happens all the way up the coast, all the way, you know, South America, Mexico, through BC, up into the Yukon, Alaska. MDRU, UBC, Geoscience BC, did a study a few years ago um, called the Orogenic, BC Orogenic Gold Study or something like that. And it was looking at this, this collision zone between the land that's coming in from the West and the, and the coast of North America, the ancestral coast of North America. Mm -hmm. And they identified that all these deposits, so Sheep Creek in the South, Barkerville in the middle of the province and Cassiar up in the Northern part of the province are all orogenic deposits that are related to this, this accretion event. And that was kind of a new revelation. So while people would have said, yeah, that has characteristics of an orogenic gold deposit, nobody really put the whole picture together. And so now we understand that and it's becoming much more widely known, I guess. We were very fortunate to get in early in the game. So, you know, in BC, there are these three districts along this particular suture zone and we've tied up two of them now. Right, okay. And just going back to something you said, with regards to the age, you're talking about this being a younger formation. Is, is that, how is that, does that make it better or is it just interesting? Yeah, it makes it different. Right. Um, it's, in some ways, there are advantages. You know, when you have a, you know, a two and a half billion year old rock, it's gone through a lot more things in its lifetime so it's been folded and refolded and broken right. up by other events ours are younger so not as much has happened to them and i guess a little bit more predictive yeah okay okay i was just trying to work out what the angle was for uh, in terms of cost i'm not sure group. there is an angle it's different um but just you understand you understand what you've got I, yeah i guess so so the the orogenic is, is vast it's eight, if, eight, eight, if it accounts for 80 percent of gold in in Canada, I guess it also says that, that you're not get, coming up with a new process. It's a well understood process in terms of mining, um, so it shouldn't throw up any problems. One would hope. Yep, agreed. Um, and there are deposits that can produce both bulk tonnage, low grade, and high grade veins. Now, historically, people were looking at the high grade veins. You know, 100 years ago, that's what was being mined. 50 years ago, that's what was being mined. But as gold prices changed and as mining technology has changed, these, these bulk tonnage targets are becoming much more attractive and, and actually overtaking the high grade veins probably as a, as a more attractive target. So people are going back into the same districts now and re-looking at them from the bulk tonnage point. So it, again, it's, it's, it's kind of interesting. So there's a sort of there's a sh the shift there because I think the sort of slightly perceived sexier projects are the high grade projects, but then you're spending a lot of time chasing those veins, chasing those grades, whereas you're saying we we know what we've got, we know where it is. We're going volume, we'll process it. It's step and repeat in, in a way. So it's a, it's a different model. That's right. Okay, okay. Well, why don't you talk, we're gonna get um, into the project in a bit more detail. We're gonna start with Sheep Creek. I'm, I'm going to page nine now. We acquired the Sheep Creek project in 2017. It's a project that has 
past production from about the 1900 to 1951 and produced almost 800,000 ounces of gold at nice grades. I think the average is just under 14 and a half grams to the ton gold. So those were individual veins that they were following, chasing, not a lot of drilling, you know, in the olden days, they would get on a vein and they would just start mining it until they lost it. And then they would drift over to try to find it again or find another one. And so not much exploration being done through the process. So high grade veins, good continuity of veins. Some of them are almost a kilometer in length, mined to um, several hundred meters down dip. The district was consolidated for the first time ever by us. So that, you know, is a huge advantage because when you're on one of these structures, if you're following it and then all of a sudden you come to your claim boundary, you know, you're kind of hooped. So this way we've got the whole thing and we got reams and reams and reams of historical data and it was all stacks of maps and old weathered paper copies of things and nothing in any kind of digital format. That's what we got. Yeah. And then uh, what we have today, we took that data and we scanned and we digitized and we, we put all the underground workings into a three-dimensional model with the gold zones. So one of the targets that we, we zeroed in on was the Bayonne. It's one of the veins at Sheep Creek. And we drilled there in 2017 and 2018. And what was significant is that we have found for the first time, we found this low grade bulk tonnage mineralization. We also found you know, a high grade shoot within one of the veins and that's still open and it's producing every hole we drilled this year hit the vein and good results. So that's still a great target. The process of Sheep Creek has been more valuable to us than just the, um, just the development of Sheep Creek itself because it's really helped us grow as a company. Is, I, I guess this is the thing which has helped you understand the type of business you want to be because I say, you know, I'm, I'm getting a sense that you've, you've solidified your thinking about what you want to be uh, and, and, and how to do that. Like, so you think Sheep Creek has, has helped you do that. So just, in, just again, so I understand this a bit. So you've, you talk about a couple of million bucks that's been spent on Sheep Creek, consolidating data by the sounds of it, um, drilling some more holes, doing, doing the LIDAR, um, and understanding what it, what it looked or looks like today. I mean, what are you doing for 2019? I think you're talking about targeting some, some drill holes in 19. I mean, yeah, we have drill holes targeted. We have permits in place. Um, we have more targets than probably we'll have funding to drill this year. So, you know, we've prioritized them and it'll kind of depend on how much money we raise, how much gets done, but certainly something um, will go back to Bayonne for sure. And I hope that we'll be able to drill some of the other targets. And what's that going to do? What's that going to do for you? If you if you did have the money to drill those holes out, what would you be looking to try and achieve? Are you looking to get to a, a, a resource or just further understanding of what you've got? I think we're a ways away from a resource at Sheep Creek. Um, so yeah, just trying to get, you know, the first few holes into some new targets and see, see what they look like. Okay. Okay. Great. And then if I look at um, page 10, um, I think you can use this again, just helping help me understand this, this balance between the low grade and the, and the high grade. Sure. As I said, you know, historically Sheep Creek was considered a high grade vein camp. Yeah. And nobody had 
explored it for bulk tonnage mineralization. And probably that's because, you know, mining stopped in the 50s and that just wasn't an attractive mineralization model at the time. So we went in to look, you know, where might there be zones of bulk tonnage mineralization. 2018, we drilled at Bayonne to test an area that we thought had bulk tonnage potential. And we did hit good grades and good widths. So 12 meters of almost three grams of gold at the east end of the Bayonne system. And so we, we drilled three holes into that area. They all hit and that zone comes right to surface and it's open for more exploration. So you're, I mean, and how much land are you sitting on with Sheep Creek? It's almost 4,000 hectares. Right, so there's a lot of exploration to be done. A lot of exploration, yes. Okay, so, so Linda, if I'm, you know, I'm, I'm listening to what you're saying with regards to Sheep Creek, obviously you've done a lot of work, there's a lot of work to come, but at what point, you know, do investors get some kind of return from this? What, how, how do you see the future of Sheep Creek looking and what sort of time frame are you looking at? Yeah, so I think we've done all our homework, if you will. Um, you know, we, we now have put this together and I understand that that's, a, for the investor, that may be a slow and unrewarding step. It's a very critical step uh, for success on the ground. So we've, we've completed that now, and now we're at the step where we're testing our targets. Um, and, and we will continue to test those targets in a priority order. And at some point in the near future, I hope, we'll have zeroed in on those best targets that, are, that have the best potential to get us to a resource quickly. Okay, so I guess we'll, um, we'll wait to sort of see what you come up with after the 2019 drill program. Okay, can we talk about Cassia Gold? Again, I think you've labeled it what we've acquired and what we want to do here. So let's talk, 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 talk us through what you bought because there's obviously a recent acquisition. Okay, so we have a letter of intent signed and the definitive agreement is, is going back and forth between the lawyers. So all the key points have been agreed upon and we're just finalizing language. Uh, it's an all share deal which is attractive. So Cassiar passed, again, a past producing mine, uh, 350,000 ounces of gold from high-grade veins, and um, lots of drilling has been done on the veins, but also on this bulk tonnage target, which is called Taurus. 30, I think it's 32 million tons at about a gram to the ton. Potentially open pitable. There is a permitted mill. It's not sized for the for the bulk tonnage situation, it was what was used to mine the high-grade veins. So that's still there and it's still permitted. There's a tailings pond that's the waste that's gone through that mill and there's gold in those tailings. We, we think that we can reprocess them and recover that gold and get some quick cash flow. Again, data rich. And the data was in much better shape than what we got at Sheep Creek. So some great people have worked on this project in the past. Uh, good database of drill holes, soil samples, all the, all the early stuff has been done. Um, you know, the LIDAR survey has flown, there's been airborne geophysics flow, and the soil sampling has been done. The, um, so much more advanced than Sheep Creek was. So just, so just if I may, on the mill, which is permitted, obviously it's for processing high grade, not bulk. Um, have you guys thought about what you're going to do with that? Are you going to get it back in production or are you going to change, change it so that it can process 
what we know of the high-grade veins so far, there is a small defined resource on the high-grade veins. I don't think there's going to be a lot of money to be made doing the development to go after that and putting it through that mill. I'd like to just keep it on the books and focus on the low-grade opportunity right. for now. I guess you, you, you work out at some point if there's what the economics could be around that. Okay. So tell us about what you're going to do with what you've acquired. I think what we want to do is really de-risk exploration. And compared to Sheep Creek, you know, where our shareholders have seen it take a long time for us to go from getting the data to generating targets, we're not, you're not going to see that here. The data is in such a state that with a little bit of our knowledge applied to it, I think that we can advance this quick, quickly. So I think what we want to do this year is to make the resource compliant. We hope to have a million ounces of gold on the books by the end of this year. We would like to do more work with those tailings, do some more metallurgical work, and look at what the optimized process would be for recovering the gold in the tailings. Yeah, I, I guess th th those seem to me to have some real value for shareholders in terms of the immediacy of getting to a resource, get maybe getting some additional uh, more quick cash flow from the tailings, um, and I guess continue drilling out. Yeah, and you know there are, there are some other very high quality targets for bulk tonnage mineralization on this pro it's a very large project 60,000 hectares so um so there and there's been the work has been quite focused along a central corridor so within that corridor there's some good targets but i think outside of it as well there are some some targets that will need exploration so i think we can identify other zones that could grow quite quickly right okay interesting interesting so that's like great you must be very pleased with that acquisition then very pleased, yeah. And I don't suppose you can tell me if there's more on the horizon or not. Are you looking? <laughs> um, I can't tell you. <laughs> uh, okay. We are looking at acquisitions and we have a strategy. Always looking, okay, okay. I won't push you. I think we can skip page 12. I think you've covered most of those points on there. Um, I noticed there's a page 13, but we've got a bit of a a diagram here, which gives us a sort of sense of the scale of the Cassier project. And yeah, so you know, if you look at that scale bar, that's 10 kilometers. So this is about, you know, 20 kilometers across by 30, 40 kilometers north to south. So big land package. And most of the exploration has been focused on this 15 kilometer corridor of veining along the west side. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing from this also, you definitely got enough water um, what's the energy and infrastructure like? So Highway 37, which is the Stuart Cassiar Highway, goes right through the project. It splits it right in half. So the Taurus is the area to the north of the highway and the and Table Mountain is to the south. And there's, a, there's grid power along that. Um, okay. So very good infrastructure. For northern BC, you know, this is not very steep, rugged mountains. It's mountainous, but it's not coastal mountains. Right, um, okay. So good infrastructure, you, good topography. And perfect for bulk, bulk tonnage operations when you get there. Yes. Okay. Yeah, and okay. the bulk tonnage is down in the valley, so easy. And right next to the highway, um, right. it's, it's okay. almost a perfect. Okay. And then uh, page 14, we're looking at the, the, the high-grade deposits at Table Mountain. Again, looks sort of similar topography. 
Yeah, um, so the veins are in the southern part of the property. They're on, you know, what's called Table Mountain, and the red are the veins that were mined. And then in green shows you the traces of drill holes. So a lot of drilling done in those mined areas. And that was, you know, definition drilling before they went in to do mining. But if you look, there's not a lot of drilling in other areas. So some good targets there as well. Tell, tell us a bit about the, the, the commercial goals of the company. I know you've got a page 15, you talk about that one. This has got, this has got to be what interests investors most. You know, we need to understand your, the, the commerciality of the business. I think, you, you know, obviously with Steve and Chris on board and um, Tyler as well, the business seems more commercial than it has been to, to, to date. Um, what, what is the focus for the, this coming year? The main thing we want to do is, is define that Taurus resource, uh, put out a maiden resource estimate by the end of this year, 1 million ounces. That's what we're targeting. Uh, we're looking at other acquisitions in BC, Orogenic Gold, hope to have some news on that coming up. Uh, raising money, just completed a $500,000 raise. We'll be raising further money this spring for the 2019 program. The tailings is a priority for us in 2019, so looking at optimizing that process and, and getting rolling on that. To do a better job of communicating with our shareholders, raising our corporate profile, and getting you know seeing an increase in our share price we believe we're undervalued we think that the cassiar acquisition is really going to help see a raise in that share price and we'll be able to maintain that okay we i mean everyone says they're undervalued and especially after last year um it would be great to see some peer analysis at some point from you yeah that is something that we're working on we know we can do better than we have been doing. Um, we can do a better job of communicating to our shareholders what we will be doing, um, what they can expect to come out in the future, how that's going to lead to creating shareholder value. We think through that, that will lead to more share activity. So in terms of liquidity and volume, and we're making sure to, that we optimize our spending. So I think the shareholders will see uh, better returns than they have in the past. Just to summarize, um, our focus on gold, on orogenic gold and bulk tonnage gold will allow shareholders to see how we are creating real incremental value for them. Just on page 16, Linda, I'm looking at uh, something we're talking about, the investment rationale. I guess this is you talking to us investors and saying this is what you should be thinking about when you think of Margo Resources. So. If you don't mind, just kind of running us through that. We are experts in orogenic gold in BC. BC is a safe and stable jurisdiction. Our projects are low risk because of the jurisdiction, because of the existing infrastructure, because we've gone through the data, we've de-risked it by analyzing existing data. Margo has a clear growth plan through acquisition, but also through exploration on our projects. We have low grade gold in large volumes on all our properties, um, and then an added bonus of the high-grade veins. So we have the potential to become geologically the next Barkerville area or Malarctic. We're aiming for early cash flow, and that will be through tailings reprocessing. We're targeting a three to five million ounce gold resource within five years through exploration and acquisition, and we will be updating the historic 
gold resource on Cassiar, that's a one million ounce resource, we will do that this year. So we'll have a maiden resource by year end this year and a second resource out by year end next year. We'll be initiating environmental baseline studies in 2020 and targeting a PEA in 2021 for Cassiar. Thanks for running through that. Um, it'd be great to catch up with you and go through in a bit more detail the plans for 2019. Um, and I guess you'll be able to update us on your, um, your, your fundraise as well. And as you say, any, any potential targets that uh, you may or may not close by then. I look forward to it. Okay, thanks very much, Linda. Appreciate it. Here today with Amanda Van Dyke. She runs South River Asset Management. It's one of the best performing natural resource funds in the UK. Good afternoon, Amanda. Good afternoon, Matthew. So you're going to talk us through Margot Resources. Yes. They're a Canadian company, TSX Venture Listed, um, that are still based in the Kootenay Arc. They had three very prospective properties in the Kootenay Arc in zinc, gold and tungsten tailings. Their raison d'etre, as it were, is looking for data-rich, past-producing um, mining companies that um, perhaps have been overlooked or, or are ready to go again, um, but that they can do a lot of work on them. And there's some historical, shall we say, permitting as well as infrastructure in place that would help them fast-track things back into production based on sort of new work being done. Um, they initially sort of divided their time and efforts on all three projects. Um, and in the end, they ended up deciding that the most prospective of three projects was the uh, gold project in Sheeps Creek, uh, where they got some excellent intercepts of, of very long, high-grade gold and indications of what could longer term be a, a bulk orogenic gold deposit, uh, very similar to Barkerville. Um, and they decided that they wanted to focus on gold given the market and, and the quality of the deposit they had. And they've also gone out um, and used their sort of knowledge of BC and orogenic gold properties to um, option a second gold property, very similar to Sheep's Creek, but in the northern part of the province, um, that was a past producer with a mill on it um, that has a large tailings deposit on it already, which potentially they could monetize um, for some early cash flow, but also a very high-grade gold deposit similar to Sheep's Creek um, that could have a bulk a halo around it um, that could lead it to another mine. So they have two highly prospective gold properties that they are prioritizing right now and going to be developing over the next year. So I'm quite excited about watching them and what and what they do going forward. What are their sort of catalysts for this year? Why, why should investors be interested in what they're doing? Well, one, the acquisition of this second highly prospective mm -hmm. gold property. Um, they've sort of refocused the company to gold and they should be doing some drilling um, that should lead to some high-grade results and hopefully a resource on one or both properties uh, within the 2019 year, and a resource is always valuable. Mm -hmm. um, they should be able to come out with a scoping study as well on whether or not they can um, get some early monetization out of uh, the tailings project. So that's quite exciting. They've also um, brought on, so Steve Letwin is involved with the company and is a massive shareholder, and he's the CEO of IM Gold. Um, and I think he's going to get significantly more involved in the company going forward um, because he sees the prospectivity of it. And so that's exciting. And they've also brought on a new board member, Chris Stewart, um, who was previously with Kirkland Lake Gold um, and Liberty Metals, or mine, sorry. Um, and given that, I think both of those are producers, Canadian 
producing experienced CEOs that are going to bring their expertise into fast-tracking these projects um, to bear, which is quite exciting. Right. Thanks very much for that summary, Amanda. Thank you very much for watching our video. We do aim to give you informed and intelligent information with which to make your investment decisions. So if you liked what you just saw, please give us a thumbs up. And if you want to see more insightful, in-depth, honest and unbiased interviews, then please click the subscribe button. So thanks again for watching and we look forward to seeing you again soon.